Welcome to Drone Law Pro Radio. Visit dronelaw.pro where Part 107 pilots become Part 107 professionals. Here's your host, drone attorney Enrico Schaefer. Welcome to Drone Law Pro Radio. I have a question for you today. What happens if you get sued? My name is uh, trial attorney Enrico Schaefer, and today we're going to be speaking with another trial attorney, and we're going to help you understand as an autonomous uh, entity, whether you're a service provider, a tech company, or someone operating a semi-autonomous vehicle, what kinds of things do you need to be thinking about in terms of litigation? You know, what should you be doing in order to reduce your risk if you should be sued? And we're already seeing an increase in the number of litigation cases filed around autonomous vehicles of all sorts. And there are some things that you really need to know in order to protect yourself and your company. So today, we are going to be speaking with trial attorney Matthew G. Berard. He is an attorney with Bowman & Brook LLP. That's Bowman & Brook, B-O-W-M-A-N and A-N-D, Brook, B-R-O-O-K-E.com. So, Matt, welcome to the show today. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about some, some risk reduction techniques and some things that I think people in the autonomous industry need to understand as we start to move forward. So let me just get a little bit of background on you and what brought you into the autonomous space. Sure. Well, first off, thanks for uh, having me on your program. Really appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk to you and everybody else who's uh, listening. Um, What really brought me into the autonomous uh, space, and when we say autonomous, I think we mean a couple different things. I mean, we have drone technology, we have uh, autonomous vehicles, semi-autonomous vehicles at this point. Um, And and really, it it started with an interest in aviation for me. And um, I'm a a private pilot, have a private pilot's license. And, um, you know, through that, um, since I became a lawyer, I've really been interested in aviation and aviation law. And obviously, drone law uh, was an up and coming um, topic uh, when I first got started. So uh, as, as an emerging technology, it's really fascinating. And then um, through my practice here at Bowman and Brook, um, we've seen some autonomous vehicle uh, or semi-autonomous vehicle litigation issues uh, come up. And it's, again, another uh, separate vehicle, but another emerging technology that we're, like you mentioned, we're seeing a lot of um, uh, or, or we're seeing more lawsuits being filed with respect to those uh, vehicles. So. Uh, interesting times in the legal profession uh, with respect to these vehicles, but um, it's uh, certainly uh, not going away. And we'll be seeing more and more of these lawsuits as uh, the years go on. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that's kind of interesting is here we are sitting, you know, I've got a client that's getting sued in a, a drone injury litigation case pending out in the Southwest. Your firm, Bowman and Brook, is representing some of the autonomous vehicle cases that are out there. And, right. you know, just to bring our, our audience up to speed here, I brought, I started out my career as an automotive product liability defense attorney for Bowman and Brook. And these guys are just top notch for many decades. They've been at the very top of the, the litigation game, specializing in you know, complex litigation and especially product liability defense litigation. And Dick Bowman, the namesake of the firm, who's no longer with us, one of my true inspirations in law, uh, innovator in the industry, 
Um, whereas most attorneys were seeing everything as billable hours, uh, Bowman saw way, way before anyone was even talking about that attorneys provide value to their clients and the game isn't ours. The game is value. And we was doing some amazing things in the early 1990s that, uh, that we are still just barely talking about today in terms of innovative ways in order to practice law. So that's kind of the background on how we got here today at, we're in Detroit, we're in the Detroit office of Bowman and Brooke. And uh, through some of my connections here, I noted that Matt was doing drone law just, just like I was. And I'm a little bit more on the tech and IP side. Matt is doing a lot more of the uh, the autonomous vehicle um, the litigation defense work. And so I thought this would be a great opportunity to try and bring some of our listeners up to speed as some of the things that they really need to be thinking about in anticipation of this continued uptick in litigation. And so the first thing I want to say is, look, at there, there haven't been a lot of cases out there, injury, property damage cases filed against service providers or pilots or uh, autonomous uh, vehicle, whether or not uh, aviation or not. Uh, there haven't been a lot of litigation yet, but we're seeing this uptake. And as the number of vehicles grow, the number of lawsuits are certainly going to grow. So as where you as a drone service provider pilot, you know, you have a low risk of getting sued. But the consequences, the risk, uh, if you do get sued, are potentially bet the company. So you want to be thinking about some things right out of the gate in anticipation that you could end up in that hot seat. So a couple of questions, Matt, that I think are, are really on the, the threshold of things that autonomy, people in the autonomous space need to be thinking about. Um, what is your viewpoint of what are the issues that you think these, uh, these folks in the autonomous space need to be thinking about today in anticipation of the risk of injury and property litigation tomorrow? Yeah, sure. And, and, and to build off of what you just said is, is one other thing is, is that there's not a lot of these lawsuits, but we're seeing more of them. But if you get sued and you get brought in, you are going to be one of the pioneers of uh, this kind of litigation with respect to these uh, these vehicles. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, novel issues that come up in these lawsuits, I think, and, and um, not not exactly a, an established uh, uh, pattern that we're seeing yet. But with respect to the anticipation of, of lawsuits arising out of uh, injury or damage, I think that companies or whoever uh, operates drones or autonomous vehicles needs to be proactive, first and foremost. They, they shouldn't wait for a lawsuit to get filed and served um, against you before you actually start acting on uh, your interests to preserve your data, uh, to protect your company, and to uh, establish a good uh, strategy for uh, a potential defense if it ever becomes a lawsuit. I, I think you need to have your go-to counsel established so that if you ever have notice of a, a potential uh, property damage or personal injury case, you have someone to call uh, to establish a strategy early uh, to, to determine what your next course of action is going to be and to, just to make sure that you're handling your duties properly with respect to preserving data, to making an insurance claim, things like that. So um, that's, that's first and foremost. Secondly, I would say that you, you should also stay up to date on the federal or state regulations that govern your industry. If it's, if it's a drone, uh, if you're a drone manufacturer, stay up to date on the FAA regs. If you're a drone operator, stay up to date on, on those FAA regs. Um, 
And if you're a, you know, uh, an, an autonomous vehicle, OEM of any kind, you should really make sure you are staying up to date on those. Set a Google alert for whatever uh, industry you're in. But uh, those are the, the, the two things that I, I think you should be thinking about. And um, particularly with respect to your data, you need to be uh, mindful of, of the fact that you need to be preserving data if you ever uh, are going to be encountered with a lawsuit. So uh, there's there's a lot more to it than that, but that's as, as far as a broad picture here, where uh, those are the things I would uh, keep an eye out for. Yeah, and Matt, I mean, I think that if I, you know, if I kind of take all of that and unwind it, part of it really is to get out ahead of the curve here and to be proactive about the fact that you could end up getting sucked into litigation and you should be prepared for that right now. And if, in fact, you do get a notice letter saying that you might get sued, what I think a lot of companies and people fail to appreciate is that the time you spend in those next days, weeks, and months, and the investment you make in figuring out what the litigation's about, what your evidence, what your documents, and digital and otherwise, are going to reveal you can really save yourself a lot of time and money down the line. Strategy is the game. And so if you get your strategy in place early, you could end up saving your company in the end. Right. Not only money, but it's very existence. So uh, if you spend the time and money now, mm -hmm. it could be the best investment that you ever make. The other thing that you mentioned, which I think is really fascinating, is that just the concept of, of preserving evidence, preserving data. Let's talk a little bit about metadata. All these autonomous devices, these vehicles, these aircraft, they are processing and storing a lot of data in ways that really other products have never seen before. How important is this data going to be in these litigation cases and what kinds of things should people in the autonomous space be thinking about with regards to the data? Well, first, I think the data is going to be critically important in, in any lawsuit that is going to raise issues uh, surrounding a, an alleged defect or an issue that arises out of uh, the use of the implementation of that data. I, I think it's, it's important in two respects. Number one, it, it's important for you know, having a defense and proving that you have a defense to the liability claim for property damage or personal injury. Um, so, you know, and when I say that, I mean, you know, the data will reveal that the user or somebody did something improper with it. And it'll just demonstrate that uh, your product was properly designed or uh, didn't uh, malfunction or, or didn't have an issue that that caused the uh, the claimed injury. And then it's critically important in the second regard, where I think it's going to be a hotly contested uh, discovery issue in uh, litigation. And, and discovery is basically what the, the parties exchange in the course of litigation, their data, documents, things like that. And if you have some kind of proprietary data that you've uh, coded and implemented into an embedded software system in, in your your drone or something that you've created, you know, obviously you have a proprietary interest in that data and you don't want to see that uh, be made public or be subject to uh, competitors' eyes or things like that. So, um, you know, you have two interests and you have two objectives, and that's to, number one, come up with a, a good defense uh, for the claim, but also to protect your proprietary data, make sure it's confidential. And um, in, in those two senses, I think it's going to be critically important in all these cases moving forward. I mean, we're not in the, we're not in the generation of the 1965 Mustang where you have a, you know, a three-speed uh, manual transmission. I mean, everything in, in these vehicles now, whether uh, 
an, an automobile or a unmanned aircraft. I mean, it's there's some element of data being generated or stored or software that's involved in the operation of the vehicle. So it's 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 again something that we're starting to see, but it's definitely not going away, and it's going to be uh, coming up in future cases down the road. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that the data doesn't lie, but we both know that a good plaintiff's attorney will make the data the data lie, right? right. So, <laughs> and they'll certainly make it an issue, and and it'll be something that they are focused on and they want to obtain, and um, you know that, that that should be no surprise. It's just something to be aware of uh, moving forward. And then, what should companies be thinking about in terms of preserving their data? Because if the data is it's not only the data that came from the accident, potentially it's historical data that may be the testing data or any data that might show a similar incident having occurred before, which would put the defendant on notice that this could occur again, maybe in the prior incidents, it crashed into a tree, but in this next one, it crashed into a manned aircraft, right? So um, what kinds of things should be should be uh, on the table for these companies in terms of data preservation? Well, I, you know, in every lawsuit, you, you have a certain duty to preserve data. And I think it's it's important for companies to be aware of that, number one. But number two, to come up with an established plan to comply with that duty to preserve and make sure that you're not just discarding data uh, that's relevant to lawsuits after you have notice of it. I mean, that's that's just fundamental uh, duty, duty, duty to preserve. Um, uh, so I, I think, you know, to the extent you're an up and coming company that that's in tech or manufacturing, you need to be aware of that in the first place. But, um, again, also be aware that data is going to be a key discovery item that the plaintiff is going to look for. And, um, you know, the, the worst thing you can do is, is, uh, find bad data and, uh, discard it thinking that it's going to help your case. I mean, that would be sanctionable conduct any day of the week. So um, I think good record keeping, being aware of your duty to preserve and not trying to manipulate or anything like that. Just make sure you have it uh, centrally located. You're aware of it and you uh, compile it um, in a way that it complies with a, a data retention policy. And, and we can get to that later. But um you know, again, the, the, the data uh, preservation issues and, and data production is going to be uh, an issue in lawsuits moving forward. So you need to be aware of it and um, and comply with that duty to preserve it. So, And of course, yeah, you mentioned something which I think everyone's got this like, oh, well, this happened. That's bad. I'm just going to dump this data. I'm going to delete it. I'm going to get rid of it. Well, if, if a court finds out that that occurred, yeah. and of course, data leaves a trail, so a good you know, forensics uh, person is going to be able to identify that, uh, the court can take a lot of very dramatic actions against a defendant from an adverse inference to default judgment and sanctions against the defendant. So talk about making a bad situation worse. Right, right. And we're not in the era where you can just uh, shred paper documents and there's no record of it. Not like I would ever uh, advise anybody to do that. But, you know, it, it's a different world where there's there's going to be a trail. Um, so, yeah, don't, definitely don't make a bad situation worse. I, I think, you know, you, you, you can have a defense to a lot of... Uh, issues and, and, and claims that are made against you. It's just, you know, it, not only just destroying evidence, you certainly don't want to do that, but preserving it will help make that process a lot easier and uh, allow you to focus on defending the merit of the claim to show that you either operated properly or safely, or you designed something properly or within the, you know, the standards um, for designing that product. So, 
And, you know, bad things happen in every product development cycle. So the fact that something bad occurs uh, is, you know, jurors aren't going to typically punish you for that Mm -hmm. unless you bury it or unless you ignore it or unless you minimize it. So, like, you don't want to be writing, you know, flippant emails back and forth about how this thing could have brought down, you know, an aircraft when, in fact, if that does happen down the line, that's going to be exhibit A to the lawsuit and jurors going to punish you for it. So... If something, if there is bad data out there, or something occurs uh, that 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 even causes a a safety incident, what is it that you would expect jurors would want to see a company do, a responsible company do that might absolve the company of negligence rather than showing the company is negligent? Right, right, and and, you know you you want to respond and. In a reasonable way. I mean, you'd want to make sure that you're uh, you're being mindful of how you address it. You're not, you know, treating it with uh, disregard, but you're addressing it seriously. And I think that would go a long way in front of a in front of a jury. So, what kinds of things should companies be thinking about in order to reduce their liability risk uh, if they should get pulled into a litigation case? Well, number one, I, I think. When you talk about risk, you got to talk about insurance. Um, I, I think that's probably primary is that you got to address your, your risk by and minimize your risk by getting insurance, but the appropriate insurance. You can't just buy a, a commercial general liability policy, a CGL policy, and expect it to cover your drone operations. Um, you know, in a CGL policy, uh, there is an aircraft exclusion, which would directly exclude any claim for property damage or personal liability or personal injury arising out of the operation maintenance use of an aircraft and, and a drone is an aircraft. So you need to, to make sure that you have the proper layers of coverage for your particular business in place so that if you're ever brought into a lawsuit, you have a company to tender that that claim to. And, and if you do this long enough, you're probably going to get sued. Um, it's, it's no secret we're in a highly litigious environment and country. So, you know, I, I think even if the, the claim doesn't have merit, you need to have uh, insurance to, to help you out um, or to at least uh, turn to so that you're not you know, bankrupted by litigation or something like that. The other thing is I think that in order to reduce the risk, kind of going back to what we talked talked about before is, is being aware of the evidentiary trail of uh, documents and data that you have in your company. And uh, really to reduce the risk is to, to have a good paper trail of, of, of your design um, and what you did to, to test it, to, to vet it and to uh, make sure it was safe before uh, the product was uh, sold or released or used. Um, I think those are uh, the two primary things I would say, but really on the insurance side is, is make sure you have the proper layers and, and uh, coverages for your particular business, whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, that's really, um, you know, something that I think has been, been a hot topic in the industry for a long time. It's not going away. The insurance carriers are getting better. They're writing bigger policies. They're getting more sophisticated as to how to write the policies. Um, they're covering the different aspects of operations, the pilot, the flight crew, et cetera. So we're seeing the, the, the ability to reduce risk there. And I think that, you know, making sure you're not going to be financially bankrupt is, is certainly at the top of the list of risk reduction things that you can do. Mm-hmm. I think what a lot of companies fail to understand, though, is that there's a big soft cost to being a defendant in litigation because you're the you're the witnesses. You're the ones that have to go get the data. Mm-hmm. You have to prove to the judge you preserve the data. 
you've got to appear at trial. And so the sooner you can get a case resolved, the fewer soft costs you're going to have. And so getting out ahead of it, again, making sure that you're doing everything that is required to, to be able to get your attorneys mm -hmm. all the information they need, good and bad, to be able to defend the case right. or resolve the case right. is going to be in your best interest. I totally agree. And, uh, and just one last comment on that is, is my approach to, to litigation in, in cases is to resolve it as quickly as possible for the best result you can possibly get. I, I, I generally don't favor dragging on litigation uh, for years and years. My, my approach is when I, when I get a case, I try to find the quickest way out. And the, the, the way that we can resolve it with, with little uh, defense costs as possible, but also uh, with as little interruption to the defendant's or the client's uh, business operation as possible. So I think even if you, to reduce the risk, you know, you, you should try to address these issues, again, get out ahead of it so that maybe you can even resolve any potential claim before it becomes a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And Matt, we're sitting here in Detroit, which is the, of course, the Motor City. And one of the great things that's happening here is that uh, the, you know, the automotive manufacturers are really starting to get some traction, as it were, in the autonomous space. Ford's bringing its autonomous group downtown to Corktown. There's a lot of autonomous tech that is starting to grow up in Detroit. And we're going to see Detroit as one of the major autonomous tech hubs in the country. What kinds of things do you see, Matt, in the autonomous vehicle, cars, aircraft, everything else autonomous space over the next five years? Well, I, I think first we can, well, let me take a step back. We have five levels of autonomous vehicle operations according to NHTSA for motor vehicles. So, you know, level five being fully autonomous, you can turn your driver's seat around towards the back and you don't have to do anything. Whereas right now we're at level two or three where driver input and monitoring is still um, very much required. And that's what we have now are semi-autonomous vehicles. I mean, I think we use that term autonomous vehicle in kind of a way that might not be accurate. You know, we it's not fully autonomous. You still need to be involved in the operation of the vehicle. But within the next five years, I think we're going to start seeing full level five autonomy for motor vehicles. I, I, I think that te technology is going to be coming up uh quickly and not just from any one particular manufacturer. I think everybody else is going to, um, not everybody else, but every other OEM is going to uh, be not far behind. So, you know, we, we, you can read the news and see all the OEMs that are uh, working on their autonomous vehicle technology who are partnering with other OEMs to develop the autonomous vehicle technology. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that we're going to see with respect to motor vehicles and with respect to aircraft and drones, I think, you know, we'll, we'll probably start to see Amazon deliveries uh, via drone uh, within the next five years. And, and that'll probably be an autonomous process. And uh, once the uh, airspace and FAA and air traffic control uh, programs and systems get um, unified and, and, um, and established, we're, we're, we can probably start to see a greater increase of autonomous drone deliveries of pizza, Christmas gifts, cases of beer, whatever it might be. Um, in Michigan, apparently and, marijuana is up <laughs> today. Right. That's true. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so, um, you know, it's uh, it, there's a lot to look forward to, I think, in the next five years. But technology is really just going to grow and, and expand rapidly in that next five years. But um, those are the things that I, I, would, I would focus on. 
Yeah, and it's it's interesting as a, as litigation attorneys, you know, we uh, we probably know better than 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 most why litigation why developing a litigation defense strategy early is important, but we're going to start to see a lot more litigation. It's not you know autonomous or semi-autonomous should be safer. Uh, based on the data, there's no question about the fact that I'd rather come across an autonomous vehicle than a 16-year-old on their cell phone in a vehicle. But uh, the volume of autonomous and semi-autonomous is going to start to get to a point where there's going to be interactions and there's going to be issues. And and quite honestly, you know, you mentioned the word partnering. You know, your autonomous uh, vehicle of whatever type is going to be using components from other OEMs, and and so they're. Uh, technology may fail, causing a failure of yours. So hold harmless and indemnity, right? <laughs> but uh, making sure you get uh, your named insured and all that. But uh, the, the reality is that there are going to be things that are going to go wrong. And it's going to be really important to, to, to not be the test case. If you are the test case, you want to make sure that you're paying all the attention to it that you need to. Now, you've given us some really great advice here today, in, and I really appreciate it. But if you had to give us one more piece of advice, one more tip for technology providers and service providers in the autonomous and semi-autonomous space, what would it be? I, I would go back to what I alluded to earlier, and that is be sure to have an established data retention policy in place. Um, if, if you are a young company or just a, a two-person outfit, um, this might not be on your radar, but you need to have that policy in place. And if you don't know what that is, consult an attorney that can help you with that. And uh, that would allow you to uh, analyze how you keep and store your data um, whether it be in the development and manufacture production of your product or in your operation on a day-to-day um, for your business. So that would be it. Make sure you have a data retention policy. I mean, there's a lot more to it. But again, going back to your duty to preserve evidence and not making a bad situation worse, uh, that is something that you should have in place and follow and, and make sure um, you uh, take a look at it every so often to make sure it's still working for your business. So. Matthew Berard from Bowman and Brook LLP in the Detroit office. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Drone Law Pro Radio. Visit us at dronelaw.pro. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on most podcast listening platforms, including your home devices, by searching Drone Law Pro. Don't forget to share this podcast on your social media and with your Part 107 friends. Until next time, fly safe.